Hi, Beck Girl here with Ashley Newman, a clinical pathology resident from Cornell University, and she's going to be giving us some advice on the general approach to blood smear evaluation. A blood smear evaluation can give you a ton of information about what's going on beyond just the numbers you see on a CDC report. So we always encourage our students to make a blood smear and to look at it to see a little bit more about what's going on. So I'm going to give you our approach and what we do systematically, just like you would do a physical exam, just do pick an order and stick with it, um, and that way you won't forget anything. So we start at low power at 10x, and we start by evaluating the feathered edge of the blood smear and we're looking for several things. So first you want to look for platelet clumps and platelet clumps will falsely decrease the automated platelet count. So this was probably the most common reason I looked at a blood smear during my internship was because you maybe have a mild or moderate thrombocytopenia and you want to see are there platelet clumps that are affecting your count to give you a more accurate idea of what your true platelet count is. But it's important to know that not all platelet clumps are created equal. A teeny tiny clump at the feathered edge will not make a 30,000 platelet count normal. But very large, numerous platelet clumps, which occur more commonly in cats than dogs, may make a mild thrombocytopenia normal. So it's important to judge the size, not just the presence of platelet clumps. Also, you want to be sure that you're identifying platelets in those clumps and not just fibrin. So you want to look for the purple granules that are present in platelets. Fibrin clumps can form at the feather and at low power can be confusing as platelet clumps. But fibrin has a more amorphous blue or purple color and they're not going to have that internal granularity like platelets do. Another thing at 10x you want to look for are infectious agents. So certainly microfilaria are things that you can easily see at low power. However, if you're suspicious for a smaller infectious agent like anaplasma, for example, you may want to spend some time at higher power looking at the feather since any internal organisms within a white blood cell or any cell is going to make that cell heavier and encourage it to be dragged out to the feathered edge. Another thing we commonly are looking at the feathered edge for are what we call big blue cells. And those are typically your circulating neoplastic cells from either a leukemia or a lymphoma. So really you wanna look at low power for cells that are large, blue, and have a round nucleus that's not lobulated like a neutrophil or any of your granulocytes would be, but that have a very high nuclear to cytoplasmic ratio. And then you're going to want to go down and look at those cells a bit closer. Another thing you want to look for at the feathered edge are cells that shouldn't normally be there. So those include mast cells or histiocytes or macrophages. So remember that we call monocytes what are normally circulating in blood. They can have some small vacuoles in their cytoplasm, but they typically aren't actually phagocytizing or eating anything. So if you're seeing cells with what looks like phagocytic debris in their cytoplasm, those are macrophages or histiocytes. And you're going to want to submit that blood smear to a clinical pathologist for evaluation because they can represent an inflammatory condition or may be more suggestive of something neoplastic. In addition for mast cells, in dogs they can be more suggestive of an inflammatory condition, but in dogs can also be neoplastic. Whereas in cats, when we see mast cells, we more think of systemic mast cell tumors versus those cutaneous ones. So after you've looked along your feathered edge and you've looked for all those things, you're going to want to move into the monolayer of your blood smear. And what I do is pretty much at 10x, just kind of two turns of the microscope in, and you want to get to the place where the red cells have enough room where they're not touching, but you didn't go too far back where they're all squished together. And in the monolayer, what we do at low power is first judge 
the red cell density. So essentially, how much white space is there in between your red cells? And the more white space there is, essentially, the more severe of an anemia you have. Whereas if the red cells are just barely touching and you really can't fit another red cell in between them, then that probably means you have a pretty normal red cell count. You also, at low power, we judge the white cell density. So at 10x, judging, again, how many white cells are at the feathered edge, sometimes if you put too much pressure on that spreader slide, you're going to drag out a lot of white cells to the feather. If there's not a lot of cells there, there should be in the monolayer. And we use what's kind of called the chocolate chip cookie analogy. If you use the field of vision as a cookie and your white cells are the chocolate chips, you want to kind of get a sense, are there a lot of chocolate chips, in which case you have a leukocytosis, or if there's hardly any and it more looks like a sugar cookie, then you probably have a leukopenia. Again, when you're on emergency or just looking in practice really quick, no one's going to ask you what number of a white cell count do you think it is, but you want to just get an impression. Is it high? Is it about normal? Or is it low? Remembering that your reference range can be anywhere from like five to 10,000, so you could have double the amount of white cells and both dogs are still within the reference interval. So after we do all those things at low power, that's when we go down now to a higher power. And most clinic scopes have a 40x or a high dry lens, whereas our scopes, we have a 50x, which is oil. So you want to make sure that you're not oiling your clinic's 40x lens and getting it messy and making them upset. At 40x or 50x, then you're going to want to look at your white cells first. And you certainly don't want to spend the time to do a 100 cell diff like we do. But what you do want to do is just kind of cruise around and see who's there. For small animals, obviously our neutrophils should be the most prevalent cell type. So are they? And then of the neutrophils, you want to get a sense, are they pretty much all segmented neutrophils or are you seeing some bands? And if you're seeing bands, remember that tells you that you have a left shift. And when you're looking at the neutrophils, then you want to get a sense, how do they look? Do they look toxic? And remember our evidence of toxic change are things like indistinct cytoplasmic vacuolation that just kind of looks messy. The cells start to look bluer in their cytoplasm and they form delay bodies which are basically irregular, small, gray to blue type concretions in the cytoplasm. Putting that together, if you have left shift and a toxic change, that's going to tell you you have evidence of an inflammatory leukogram. And I always got confused of toxic change versus degenerate neutrophils, but remembering that left shift is going to tell you the severity of the inflammation, essentially, and the bone marrow's ability to keep up with the peripheral demands. So if you do have a left shift, it means that your inflammation is gobbling up all of your mature neutrophils. And the way I think about it is that it's sending out like the teenagers to war as if the teenagers are your banned neutrophils. Whereas for toxic change, that's going to give you an indication of accelerated granulopoiesis. So then I think of it as if the neutrophils got dressed too quickly in the morning and they look horrible and they just go out to fight because they have to fight, they're going to look not as normal as they should. And then going further then, if you have more band neutrophils than you do segmented neutrophils, that tells you that you have a degenerative left shift. So not the degenerate neutrophils we see in cytologies or fluids, but a degenerative left shift tells you more bands than there are segmented neutrophils, which tells you that you have an even more overwhelming source of inflammation. So if you then were to do a CBC the next day, you would want to see that go from a degenerative left shift 
to maybe just a left shift. And then maybe the next day or two days later, you want to have all segmented neutrophils. So that would tell you that your treatment is going in the right direction and that your bone marrow is able to keep up with the demands peripherally for the inflammation. So lastly, after you've looked at your white blood cells at 40 or 50x, then we go to 100x. And 100x, you want to look at your red cells first, and then we look at platelets. And really for red cells, you can get a lot of information about the morphologies that are there. And pay attention to your CBC reports when they tell you what morphologies are there because they can help you determine the mechanism. The biggest thing you want to know is if you have an anemia, is it regenerative? So you're going to look for polychromasia or those polychromatophils which have that more purple color and they're bigger. And if you have a good amount of those, then your anemia is probably regenerative. And then lastly, for your platelets, you want to count them at 100x. So it's important when you're estimating not to estimate them at 40 or 50x, but high power means 100x oil. And if you want to make sure that you jot this equation down is that one platelet indicates about 15,000 platelets. So average several fields. You don't have to do 10, but try to do more than just one. Count the platelets and then multiply by 15,000, and that'll give you a pretty good estimate of your platelet count, keeping in mind if you had any platelet clumps at the feathered edge. And that's about it.